The El Conservador Radio Show is sponsored by George Rodriguez on 9.30 a.m. The Answer. Time for the El Conservador Radio Show with George Rodriguez. George is a constitutional conservative who loves to expose fake news and liberals. Be a part of the show. Call 210-308-8867. And now, El Conservador, George Rodriguez. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you on KLUP 930 AM Radio, The Answer. On this beautiful uh, Saturday, December the 12th, my gosh, two more two more shows, my friends, two more weeks before this year is over. Incredible. And, um, you know, next week, my friends, I guess uh, we, we will do our uh, our little Christmas show or possibly possibly the week after that, the weekend after that. Uh, but uh, we've got uh, lots of things happening. Um, we've got two very, very good uh, uh uh, very interesting guests for you today, my friends. We've got one brand new one, but uh, and uh, but another one who's a regular guest. We've got Mr. Todd Benzman, who is our uh, regular guest, uh, or one of our regular guests when it comes to uh, immigration issues. He's with the Center for Immigration Studies. And I asked Todd to come on because uh, more and more, my friends, we're seeing uh, a heating up of immigration issues, not only on the border, but all over the country. We're seeing a... a, a uh, a greater and greater effort uh, to uh, by illegal aliens, by Democrats, by liberals, uh, to push the issue of uh, of defending, of protecting, uh, of justifying illegal immigrants uh, or illegal aliens uh, in the United States, because uh, they anticipate that uh, there's going to be a big change in policy when. Uh, when and if Biden takes over, when and if, and I'll say if because uh, we're also going to be chatting a little bit about the um, the major, major story of the lawsuit that was filed uh, by uh, Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton. Uh, it, it's, it's very, very interesting, very, very interesting. Uh, we need to chat about that because it could have, I mean, to me, it's it's historic. It's absolutely historic. And, uh, you know, the uh, the leftist press is really panning it. I don't know if they're panicking uh, about it. Uh, they understand what its possible uh, end result could be, but um, they, they, they really are upset about it. And uh, so they're panning it. So the, I, I think we need to explain as best we can. We're going to have, we're, I'm going to try to get uh, a better expert than myself, or an expert, should I say, than myself, uh, on the show to explain the, the, um, the lawsuit. But, um, it, it is it's a major issue my friends it is a major major event and uh, we need to I, we, we need to clearly clearly understand it um the uh, the other uh, the other person the other guest that we've got on our show is mr. Jeremy Payne and Jeremy Payne is president of the Bear County deputies uh, a, a sheriff deputy sheriff's association here in San Antonio just like just like the police department just like the city police department and police departments across the country are under fire by the black lives matter by the um, liberal leftist uh, uh, radicals so are the sheriffs so are the sheriffs we've seen some sheriffs rebel like in uh, California we've got one sheriff who has clearly told the uh, the the uh, Governor, that he's not going to enforce uh, the, uh, the the arbitrary and dictatorial uh, dictatorial uh, rulings uh, edicts that uh, the governor is putting out regarding COVID. Uh, we've seen lots of sheriffs do that. Uh, our good friend from Pinal County, from Arizona, uh, Pinal County uh, Sheriff. Uh, uh, Mark Lamb has uh, been one of those as well. It's been very, very outspoken. So the deputy sheriffs here in San Antonio uh, are uh, under fire. Uh, but not only are they under fire, they themselves are rebelling because uh, the city of San Antonio, in conjunction with Bear County, has a, uh, a jail that is very, very poorly run. We'll chat a little bit about that. Uh, it's not only poorly run, but uh, it, it's severely understaffed. So here we're talking uh, about uh, the leftists are talking about uh, uh, holding the uh, the sheriff's uh, department, uh, the sheriff's uh, deputies 
uh, accountable, not to mention also taking away money, which means shrinking, possibly shrinking the staff. But uh, you have a jail that uh, is severely understaffed already. Very, very much so. I mean, it, it, you know, so uh, it, it's the worst of, of both worlds, but the left doesn't care because the only thing the left wants to do is create create a problem. And they want to create a problem so that they can, so uh, well, obviously, so that they can uh, then turn around and uh, uh, scream and yell more about it, um, uh, compound it with uh, greater uh, centralization of government and uh, reducing the freedoms and rights of uh, of individuals because that's uh, that's the end that's the end game the end game is for a uh, centralized government dictatorial situation uh, you know and whether that's a, a, a local uh, government or a state government or a federal government a national government I mean you know that's 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 the direction they want to go so uh, those are our, our guests. Um, let's chat real quick. Let's chat a little bit about, uh, let me give you some some uh, information regarding um, uh, illegal immigration before we go to, uh, to our first guest. Um, one of the things, I mean, fa- fake news, my friends, fake news doesn't stop. Fake news doesn't take a break. Uh, we have the liberal uh, Washington Post running a story about an illegal alien uh, who is who is being deported? However, typical, you know, typical of, of the news media fashion of the liberal, media, the Washington Post reporters, the people that did the reporting, uh, two ladies, uh, Katie Mettler and Rachel Chasen, uh, they wrote sympathetically about the illegal alien, but completely ignore the facts. Here are the facts, my friends. This this illegal alien named Ed, Edgar Diaz Palma uh, was stopped while he was driving uh, for for a driving violation back in November last, last month. And he was arrested by the officer when the officer was checking on him. And uh, he found out that uh, this guy had a pending uh, immigration issue, that he hadn't showed up for a hearing, and that he had a pending immigration issue. So he was taken into custody, you know. And not only that, but he was turned over to ICE. Well, of course, you know, the uh, the Washington Post writers just have a meltdown over that. I mean, how could they turn him over to ICE, you know. And uh, then they go on, get this, get this. They go on to write about how the attorney and the, 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 the uh, illegal alien's family, his relatives, they question what he did wrong. They put that in the story, that these people are questioning what he did wrong. Never mind that they've answered it themselves, but they ignore it again. You know, here's what he did wrong, my friends. First of all, he was an illegal alien, which means he entered the United States illegally, okay? First, he was an illegal alien. He's here illegally. Secondly, he committed a traffic violation, which is why the police officer stopped him in the first place. Counter to what a lot of leftists will tell you, or a lot of liberals will tell you, you know, it was not racial racial profiling. It was not racial profiling where, you know, the police officer spotted a Latino and stopped him because he was wondering if he was illegally in the United States. No, 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 no. He committed a traffic violation. I look very Latino. I've never been stopped by the police unless I committed something wrong. <laughs> unless I, I made a U-turn when I shouldn't have or ran a red light or something of the nature. I guarantee I've never been stopped because somebody thought I was an illegal alien. <laughs> so anyway, that's why they stopped him. Then when they stopped him, they did the check, okay, as you're supposed to. And when they did, guess what? <laughs> they found that he was an illegal that that he had he had avoided or he was avoiding immigration that he was he he was supposed to show up for 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 a hearing and never did. So he was placed into custody, my friends. Again, illegal aliens and their supporters are notorious about justifying their actions, my friends. They're notorious for it. And and the news media is notorious for helping them to promote those justifications. I I just want to know, I just want to ask these Washington Post reporters, what part of the word illegal don't they understand? Illegal. Illegal such as an illegal uh, 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 traffic violation or a, a traffic violation, you know, that's illegal. How about being in the United States illegally, you know? 
it just is amazing. But again, it's uh, all it is is nothing more than the fake news. Let me give you a couple of other items real quick. Um, there's a, a new caravan that's being organized in, in Honduras, my friends, and it's heading towards the United States. Uh, again, this is a result of people believing that the Biden-Harris folks, that the Biden-Harris administration is going to be taking over soon, and that when it does, it's going to be welcoming to illegal aliens, to anyone who wants to cross the border. That it's going to be, it's going to be Katie by the door once again, like it was under Obama. Okay, and so here we have another, uh, another caravan that's being organized. Now, whether that or, or caravan uh, actually comes through or gets as far as the Mexican border remains to be seen because Mexico has closed its borders because of Corona. So they may just turn these people around. You know. On the other hand, uh, Guatemala and uh, uh, has also done likewise. So in order for these people from Honduras to get to Mexico, they're going to have to go through Guatemala. So that might not happen. On the other hand, my friends, there's tons of people already on the border waiting to cross. And again, the news media playing it up that, you know, these poor people are, are, are waiting helplessly to uh, to cross the border because, you know, uh, Trump has has the nerve to try to screen them. <laughs> My friends, this is the problem that we've got. We've got a, a uh, doggone administration that may be coming in that doesn't care to protect our, our borders. And this is this is a worrisome situation. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you on KLUP 930 AM radio, The Answer. And we've got our good buddy, uh, Mr. Todd Benzman with the Center for Immigration Studies. Todd is a regular guest with us. And I wanted to reach out to him to uh, because things are moving pretty quick in Washington, D.C., uh, as far as the Biden people are concerned. That's uh, and the media and the, the uh, mainstream media. And uh, it's having a definite impact on the, on the border, as uh, a lot of folks on the other side of the border anticipate a, a new administration that'll be a friendlier uh, to uh, open borders. So I wanted to get um, uh, Todd to come on and chat with us and tell us, uh, give us an update, uh, because things have uh, things have a tendency of changing pretty quick in a week. Uh, Todd, welcome to the show. Give us an update. What's what's going on regarding uh, the issue, the issues on the border, as well as uh, uh, minors, uh, minor immigration, the minors being uh, coming across, as well as any caravans that might be uh, organizing to come across. Sure. Uh, thanks for having me. Um, you know, I hardly know where to start. There's so much going on down there. But uh, since you mentioned uh, the crossing of minors. Uh, we, we're seeing probably about 2,000 apprehensions a day now, up from about 1,000, 1,500 a day uh, a month ago. And a lot of that traffic is involving uh, minors, people under that the DHS regards as minors if they're under the age of 17. And the reason for that is you had a, uh, a, a court ruling uh, one of the circuit courts that said that you, we, we can, as an agency, uh, DHS can no longer detain uh, parents uh, or you know, adults with minors. And so uh, the, what's happening is that the uh, adults or the parents or whoever the guardians are are just simply sending their kids over alone so that uh, they'll be just waved through, they'll be taken care of in detention uh, and then and then reunited with family later. It's kind of a, a reprise of what we saw last year with the Flores loophole. Uh, that's, that's now back on again, so we're seeing a tremendous number of minors coming in alone, unaccompanied minors, so it's another uh, kind of gaining a crisis gaining traction there uh, beyond that you have uh, people in Mexico who were placed there as part of the uh, migrant protection protocols which which is otherwise known as wait in Mexico where people who uh, Central Americans and people from all over 
claim asylum at the U.S. border, but they, they can't wait inside the United States. They have to wait in Mexico so that they don't abscond and just disappear uh, in the United States. And those people are uh, telling reporters and media and uh, anybody who will listen on social media that they are very excited about the Biden administration because they anticipate the demise of MPP very quickly and they'll just come over the border and be waved through with a big welcome wagon on the other side, et cetera. There are about 60,000 uh, people like that who uh, many of them might have gone home otherwise, uh, but are, are coming in and waiting for the, the moment that they can, that the gates open, so to speak. The other thing is that uh, we're also seeing lots of evidence of what, what I saw a year ago in interviewing migrants uh, throughout the uh, southern Mexico and in Guatemala and elsewhere, that the, the Biden administration was going to implement policies very quickly that were incredibly magnetizing and appealing to migrants throughout Central America, like an elimination of deportation. So for at least 100 days and extendable, the Biden administration said that there would be no deportations, not even of criminal aliens, which is, you know, I mean, if you're a migrant waiting down there for a chance to come in, uh, right now you stand a pretty good chance of deportation, quick deportation. Under Biden, there would be no deportation, and that's very exciting news. Uh, for for aspiring migrants. The biggie, which the Biden administration, uh, coming administration, uh, message just a few days ago was they reiterated that they were going to pursue a general amnesty for all illegally present uh, people in the United States. So again, this is like um, something akin to blaring uh, you know, fantastic news across, you know, across the Americas, uh, you know, come all, come one, come all, uh, because in no time at all, especially if Georgia turns blue with the, the two Senate seats, uh, there very likely would be a, a large scale general amnesty and everybody wants to get into the United States in time for that. So, so we're, we're looking at, and just interrupt me any time. There's just so much going on down there right now, <laughs> George. Yeah. It, it, um, what about what about the the issue the issue of uh, uh, I had heard that there were some Republican senators like the Gang of Six or Gang of Eight um, that had uh, uh, the last time that had tried to put together some type of of uh, of reform package. That uh, again, there was another group that was ga- that was gaining. Uh, that was getting together uh, a group of Republicans that was getting together to uh, possibly propose a um, a, a uh, reform package uh, for th- uh, the Democrats to jointly um, support. Have you heard anything yeah. like that? Uh, no, there have been so there has been talk. There's been news about that. A lot of that is just sort of anticipatory. Because everything just hinges on the outcome of these two Georgia uh, Senate races. Uh, if if the uh, Democrats, the two Democrats win that, then you've got a uh, majority in the, both chambers. The Democrats would have a majority in both chambers and a uh, Democrat in the White House. So then obviously, you know, they can push through uh, all sorts of um, immigration reform and really whatever they wanted. With, with not a whole lot of opposition right. dissipated. So there are people who are anticipating, you know, what are we going to do with that? Uh, you know, how are we going to either go with that or shape it? Uh, but it's, it's all up in the air, man. I mean, at this point. Yeah. So, so in essence, I mean, it, it sounds like we would end up going back to the whole idea of catch and release. I mean, they would walk across the border, introduce themselves. You would, uh, you would just hold them and, and assign some kind of uh, of uh, date for them to uh, show up for a hearing, if that, and uh, then they would just disappear into the uh, into the fabric of society, like so many of them did uh, in the past. Absolutely, and that's how we that's that's why we have fifteen million 
people living illegally in the country at least uh, because years and years of that. So we would just be returning to something like that. Now, there is a chance uh, that the Biden administration, in order to avoid a mass rush on the border that would just collapse and consume, collapse the border systems and consume the administration immediately with its first major crisis, that they may kind of come up with reasons to hold off on reversing uh, some of the Trump uh, disincentivizing policies for a while. Just because, I mean, it's it's obvious, you know, what's happening, I mean, even to the Democrats, that their messaging is incentivizing a massive uh, crisis at the border. So there's a chance that they may come back and say something like, well, you know, we're not going to get rid of MPP. We have to devise a plan. It's going to take us six months to come up with that with that plan. And in the meantime, we'll keep the Mexican National Guard in place on the southern Mexico border, which is very effective, by the way, uh, for a while. So it could take some time for this to materialize. And also, there's a pandemic uh, border series of border closures between Latin uh, Central America and the United States, and that's been pretty effective. Uh, we had a caravan, you mentioned caravans, maybe about six weeks ago, one formed up in Honduras and tried to bust the pandemic border closures in Honduras through Guatemala. They busted through the Hondurans, but the Guatemalans shut them down and uh, there were, you know, uh, fisticuffs and violence and they put them on buses and shipped them back to Honduras and El Salvador, thousands of them. So they broke that one up. So I don't anticipate um, caravans coming right away until the, the pandemic eases a little bit and some of those countries uh, reduce their uh, determination to shut those things down. Let me let me yeah let me ask you real quick because you uh, because we're getting close to to our end here but let me ask you um, uh, you reported you were the first one to report on this issue of the COVID uh, crisis in the uh, on the border communities uh, that seems to continue in fact here in San Antonio we received uh, several uh, folks from uh, El Paso and Laredo. Um, who, uh, you know, because of the excess number of people that are, that are sick in those hospitals. Um, does, is that continuing? I mean, the people coming across uh, sick because they can't get uh, attention in, in Mexico? Very much so. A great many. We don't know exactly what the percentage breakdowns are, but a great many of the COVID patients who are filling Texas hospitals, Arizona hospitals, California and New Mexico hospitals are Mexicans who got sick from COVID and have no medical care in their own communities because Mexican hospitals broke down and have collapsed under the weight of their own corona um, crisis. So a great many of the uh, people that are coming into Texas, Arizona, New Mexico, the border state hospitals are being shipped by air, fixed-wing aircraft, helicopter, and ambulance to interior hospitals throughout all of those states. So if you are getting um, COVID patients shipped from uh, Laredo or Harlingen or Brownsville into San Antonio, Dallas, there's a pretty good chance that those are Mexicans who cross the border legally or illegally through the loopholes in the in the March 20 border closure, pandemic closure, which is just absolutely riddled with loopholes to get through. Wow, incredible. So that is very much still happening, and it's especially acute in El Paso because the all of the Juarez hospitals have uh, collapsed completely, people dying in parking lots and in the hallways and the other, nowhere to put the bodies, that, that sort of a scenario. Yeah. Uh, so, so those are all. That's all transitioning over the border into uh, El Paso, and then from El Paso to Las Cruces. All the Las Cruces hospitals filled up. Uh, Yuma uh, to Tucson hospitals and Phoenix hospitals. Uh, Imperial Valley, California hospitals, all filling. San Francisco, Sacramento, L.A., 
hospitals and it works like that. And so obviously it makes sense for the governors to shut bars and restaurants down. Wow. Incredible. I mean, it really, really is. Listen, buddy, we need to uh, close up, but uh, I want to thank you once again, as usual, to come on and, and give us an update of what is happening because things are moving pretty quick on the border as uh, as uh, folks on the other side anticipate uh, this new administration that apparently is signaling that they're going to be a lot more friendly to open borders. Uh, tell, tell the folks where they can follow you, uh, Todd. Sure. ToddBensman.com is the best place to uh, see all of my work. And you can also go to CIS.org and look me up there, too. You got it. We've been talking with our good friend, Mr. Todd Bensman from the Center for Immigration Studies. Thank you very, very much for, for coming on, Todd. You take care. You too. Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, on KLUP 930 AM Radio, The Answer. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you on KLUP 930 AM radio. And uh, we've got a new guest on with us today. We've got um, Mr. Jeremy Payne, uh, who is president of the, um, he's president of the Deputy Sheriff's Association of Bear County here in San Antonio. And I wanted to reach out to him because uh, as we have been reading and talking about on our show in the past, it's not just the police departments that are under the gun at this point uh, on uh, law enforcement issues uh, from the left. Uh, there's also uh, the deputy sheriffs. We've got uh, the sheriff in um, in uh, California. I believe it's in in uh, one of the uh, counties in in California that has uh, told the the. the uh, the uh, governor that uh, they're not going to enforce certain uh, certain laws regarding or certain issues regarding the uh, the masks, and uh, on the other hand, we've got others uh, who uh, are being uh, put under the gun, like in Maricopa County, or, or should I say, in, in Pima County, Arizona. Here, we wanted to talk with the with the deputies association, deputy sheriffs association, because uh, there's a controversy or some questions related to the issue of a citizens advisory board uh, citizens advisory boards are boards that put committees groups that are put together so that uh, there can be uh, some way of addressing police community law enforcement community relations issues and uh, I wanted to reach out to uh, to Jeremy uh, as president of the uh, deputy sheriff's association to uh, give us an idea of uh, what uh, they have uh, been talking about uh, regarding this advisory board here in Texas, here in San Antonio, and um, what uh, what kind of feedback they're getting from the elected officials. Jeremy, thank you for taking time to be with us. Talk to us. Tell us tell us about this advisory board and uh, what you guys have proposed and what kind of uh, feedback you're getting. Well, actually, uh, George, first of all, I'd like to say thank you for the venue opportunity to visit with y'all and uh, hopefully help educate some folks about what's happening. Uh, just, I just want, us to, just want us to set one thing straight, and that is that uh, this was not our original proposal. This was something that was proposed by the sheriff and the uh, county uh, to have an advisory board. And the, the proposal that we gave them was a counter proposal to their original proposal. The citizens of Bear County came out really strong in the past couple of months over uh, social injustice and things of that nature, requesting more transparency from the sheriff's office. And so, sure enough, what uh, they ended up proposing was a citizen advisory board that would take a look, use the force pieces with uh, deputies, officer-involved shootings and disciplinary issues within uh, sheriff's office and within deputies. And that was their proposal. When we took a look at the proposal and we looked at what the communities, the citizens were asking for, uh, we felt like it fell short. Uh, so we wanted to make sure 
we were actually giving the citizens what they needed. And so we kind of felt like the commissioners and the sheriff uh, pandered to the people uh, that were behind this, the activists, the citizens, their constituents, and came up with something that really wasn't something that gave them the power to do what they wanted to do. And uh, so our proposal proposed a true citizen advisory board. We took their idea and we ran with it. And we asked that the county and the sheriff would set aside an independent board, citizen advisory board, that would allow citizens, independent of the sheriff, independent of the union, independent of the commissioners, to be able to take a look at not just of force and officer-involved shooting, but the policies that are written that surround those incidents and give them some say to say, hey, think, you know, all these policies, all these things, everything needs to be taken and, and looked at so that we can come up with a fair system. You want viable citizens who are unconflicted, the sheriff, by the commissioners, they could come and they can actually make a decision uh, and not have words that would just be filled with contributors to political campaigns and things like that. We want a true citizen advisory board. If we're going to do this, you know what? Let's be number one in the nation and let's give the constituents of Bear County an opportunity to have a voice. And I think that's what they've asked for. And so what was the counter-proposal, or, or the uh, proposal that they, you know, what was the reaction to your counter-proposal? Of course, uh, it was not met. <laughs> it was not met with uh, open arms. Uh, you know, the idea and the concept of, of, they were totally okay with us being looked at as deputies. They sure did not want anybody to peel back the curtain of their policies and, and, and felt like, you know, Sheriff's the sheriff, and he has the right to run his agency the way he does. Uh, and uh, so uh, they weren't they weren't uh, really uh, open armed about uh, our, uh, our proposal, counter proposal, I should say. So I mean, you know, the the whole idea. Once again, uh, I keep hearing from many politicians is the idea of transparency. Now, again, the politicians are the ones that set the uh, the rules. They're the ones that set that pass the laws they're the ones that uh that uh do the i mean all you guys all you're doing is um is uh enforcing what they pass so what uh i i'm not sure exactly i understand why there would be a hesitancy to this transparency on policy uh, and and this is why i say they pander you know the transparency to the policy uh they that means that they would have to accept the fact that there are policies that may be outdated. There are, are things that they're doing within their, their own agencies that are that are uh, not up to par. And, you know, I think they were happy when it was, well, we just need to take a look at all these quote-unquote bad apples over there. Yeah. And, you know, at, at what point in time do you have to say, Deputies who patrol the streets follow the policies that you write for them. And if the policies are incorrect or the working conditions are horrible or if staffing is horrible, uh, how does that not render into, you know, people being disciplined, people being sick, people becoming bad apples and having, quote, unquote, snicker moments while they're at work? Uh, and, and, you know, we just want to peel back the curtain and say, if we're going to take a look at, at, at deputies, I, I don't have any issue with that. Uh, nobody in the union has an issue with that. We, we're, we're all okay with the transparency model. Just want it to be fair. If we have to be transparent, so should they. Yeah. I think that's what the citizens of Bear County want. And I think their proposal falls way short of that. Well, you know, what's very, very interesting is, you know, we've have heard a lot, for example, uh, over the issue of how deputy sheriffs handle uh, people that are mentally ill. Uh, 
you know, that are violent. Uh, people have been uh, shot uh, as they attack, you know, the, the deputies, et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, you know, we, I, we have seen on TV the, uh, the drama, the theater, I'll call it, that a lot of these politicians put on of shock and dismay that uh, somebody mentally ill was shot. Uh, but yet, you know, what policies have they changed? What policies do they want, uh, you know, that, that will not endanger the deputy as well as endanger the public? Well, and, and, and that's where we would want, look, at the end of the day, uh, it would take people coming and asking those questions. And even in our proposal, we gave them, this, this committee, the right to have a mental health professional on that board. Now, they wouldn't be a voting member of the board, but they could advise and help them find ways to do maybe studies, surveys, finding ways that they can make their agency better. And just un- it's unbelievable to me that, you know, that the county and the sheriff wouldn't want to have that kind, those kind of advisors to have the, that kind of conversation be happening for us to find a better way to do what we do. And if we don't want to improve in our agency and we just want to have a bunch of uh, political friends who have donated to campaigns and things of that nature, if that's just what we want to have, to have a bunch of people to pat the sheriff and the commissioners on the back and saying we're doing an amazing job here and rubber stamp this thing, what, what service does that do to the constituency of Bear County? does that do for the community of Bear County? What does it do for the mother who's afraid to call the police because she has a child with special needs or mental health issues because she's afraid that he's going to get arrested? How do we fix all those things if we're not willing to open up and peel back the curtain and give everybody an opportunity to say, hey, this is how I feel when a police officer or a deputy sheriff walks into my neighborhood or into my house? And and uh, those are the kinds of things that we want to be able to see change. If it's going to be short-sighted about just looking into deputies' uh, disciplinary records or uh, officer-involved shootings, and we're not going to fix the policies that dictate what they do, and this is all for naught. Yeah, that's exactly right. We need to close, but uh, Jeremy, once again, uh, we've been talking with... with uh, Mr. Jeremy Payne, who is president of the uh, Deputy Sheriff's Association of Bear County. Uh, any closing thoughts uh, before we go? Well, I would just say, uh, you know, if, if this is something that, uh, that you're passionate about and you really want to see reform and change, uh, it's interesting to me that you're having a conversation with the union president that is, is trying to push police reform and change. Even though I'm, I've been told I, in the media that I'm, I'm not that guy. But reach out to your commissioners. Reach out to the sheriff and tell them, hey, this is something that we would support. This is something that we want. And uh, help us affect that change. You got it, buddy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, on KLUP 930 AM Radio, The Answer. Let me do a, a, a few more uh, news items. And a quick commentary before the end of our show, my friends. We are, uh, you know, uh, it, it is it is a very, very uh, dangerous situation we're looking at. And that's the word I'm going to use, dangerous situation that we're looking at when it comes to the issue of the border and when it comes to the issue of the Constitution in general, okay? As far as the border goes, I mean, that's what we report on. That's what we chat about a lot here on our on our show. You know, the, anything and everything having to do with immigration, anything and everything having to do with with uh, race relations, particularly uh, from a Hispanic, Latino, whatever you want to call them, us, whatever, uh, situation, uh, and anything and everything having to do with fake news. Fake news, my friends, is the enemy of of, of the republic. It is the enemy of the constitution. There's no two ways around it. No two ways around it. Let me give you, let me give you some, uh, some quick 
uh, news items uh, regarding illegal immigration. And then we're going to chat a little bit more about the, uh, the situation with, with COVID and the situation with this Paxton uh, lawsuit, the Texas lawsuit. First of all, um, you know, this issue of rewarding, justifying, excusing, whichever word you want to use, illegal immigration. That is a big headache, my friends. That is a big, big headache. Liberals and leftists, see, well, the liberals, the leftists are just taking advantage of it because they want to, uh, they want to manipulate and they want power. But the liberals are extremely, extremely uh, sensitive and good at excusing and justifying illegal immigration because, you know, these people are poor and they're hungry and they need to be let in or because they're fleeing uh, oppression and they need to be let in or because they're minors and they need to be let in or they're single women with kids and they need, you know, on and on and on. There's always a justification and a reason for illegal immigration. Illegal, okay? The word is illegal. That's the key word in this thought. So what are the consequences of this rewarding illegal immigration? Well, the consequences are already being seen again as people anticipate, either real uh, or possibly not, the transition from a Trump administration to a Biden administration. Hundreds of illegal alien minors are beginning to arrive at the U.S.-Mexican border on a daily basis. Hundreds of them, my friends. Probably soon it'll be thousands. But some of them are crossing already illegally with the help of of smugglers, while others are just waiting for the Biden administration to take over. Okay, And that's the problem that we've got. The Biden, they anticipate that that the Biden administration is going to take over. And so they want to be, uh, they want to be right at the very front of this new wave of people, of minors being led into the country, being provided all sorts of, of, of assistance, and then hopefully, you know, they claimed to be reunified with families, families who are already here illegally in some cases. But, uh, you know, once the kid gets here, the kid will take advantage of DACA. The kid will take advantage of all of the sympathy and goodness of the hearts of, of Americans. And, and uh, you know, the kid ends up staying. There were almost a million kids that came in the last time under the uh, under the Obama administration that were pouring across because they were uh, they were claiming to be reunified many of these kids were nothing more than than props for smugglers many of them were 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 kids that were being trafficked human trafficked yeah they were you know the, the many of them uh, were not being reunified with families at all, but and weren't minors at all. They were just people that looked young and claimed that they were minors coming across. My friends, there is no excuse. There is no excuse to justify anybody crossing illegally or entering the United States just because. Just because. What uh, Trump did was uh, he forced people to stay in the in in, in uh, Mexico until they were uh, they they were checked out until their their application for entry was cleared. That's what he's done, and it's caused all sorts of anxiety with uh, with uh, pro illegal immigration people who want these people to come in and 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 be taken care of here in the United States rather than Mexico. Well, my friends. If, if they're suffering, please, if they're suffering in Mexico, go back to your home country. At least you were at home suffering rather than a foreign country suffering. I'm sorry, but we cannot justify, we can't let people in just because. That, uh, you know, if, if you're buying something precious, the cost is high. That's reality. If you're entering a country that is the best country in the world, there's going to be a long waiting list because everybody wants to come in because everybody wants to come in. You know, let me uh, also now change that to uh, people that do come in and uh, who are criminals. Here is another news article regarding proof, my friends, proof positive that local liberal policies endanger Americans. Uh, back in October, back in October, uh, there was a court 
uh, a, a court decision that forced federal immigration officials to release 250 illegal alien criminals in, that were in detention in California. Okay, they were they were uh, released supposedly because of COVID safety. Okay, now because of that, my friends, these 250 illegal alien criminals, several of them, guess guess what? Several of them have been rearrested for crimes including child sex and drug offenses. This past Wednesday on on December the ninth. ICE, Immigration and Enforcement, they reported that among those people that were being arrested, okay, these are among those that are being re-arrested, that had been released, and now they're being re-arrested. There was a 50-year-old Indian national, a guy from India, who was arrested for outstanding warrants for felony, lewd, and lascivious acts with a minor under the age of 14. That, that is the result of a liberal judge wanting to release, worrying more about COVID and these criminal aliens than the safety of the American public. That's the result. You know, ICE had objected to this liberal uh, judge's um, forcing the agency to release these clowns. Uh, All of this happened in California, in Adelanto, California. You know, and and they, they, they opposed it. However, apparently the judge didn't care that more than 85% of the roughly 730 migrants, immigrants, illegal aliens that were being held, that they had pending criminal charges against them as well. Apparently he didn't get 730 of them. 85% of them had pending criminal charges against him. ICE reported that a Mexican national, okay, was rearrested for battery and driving while under the influence. Now, again, my friends, here's somebody that's driving around under the influence who's an illegal alien, endangering us on the roads. And he's an illegal alien. Never mind that he was he was uh, wanted for battery. And also he was uh, he, he was uh, he had violated a restraining order. There was another Mexican citizen that was rearrested for unlawful possession of drug paraphernalia, burglary, grand theft, while yet another one was arrested for disorderly conduct while under the uh, influence of drugs and contempt of court. Again, my friends, these are people who are not screened because they come in illegally, okay? We just talked a little while ago about people that are waiting at the border, waiting to get in in an orderly manner. Well, this is one of the reasons. you got to screen them. Why are you coming in? What of what benefit are you to our nation? Yeah, that's a cold question to ask, but that's something that we need to ask. Don't we have enough poor people? Don't we have enough criminals? What's the reason that you're entering? So I reported that uh, this Mexican national, these Mexican nationals, you know, wanted for drug paraphernalia, for bu- burglary, for disorderly conduct in public, for driving under the inf- or driving while intoxicated. I mean, folks. These people endanger us in the public. They endanger the public. And here they are, illegally in the United States, released because some liberal uh, judge is more worried about them getting COVID than us being mugged or run over by some drunk illegal alien. I'm sorry, my friends. It's very difficult for me to uh, to feel sorry, first of all, for somebody who has broken the law to enter the United States, but then secondly, that misbehaves in our society. I mean, I have I, I, I have really very little sympathy for somebody who's a, an American drunk, who is a citizen who's a drunk driver, who is a uh, someone who runs around uh, creating problems who's a drug addict, except I, you know, I have a hard time with somebody who's a citizen, let alone somebody who entered the country illegally. Oh my gosh. What part of the word illegal don't you understand? So <clears throat> let me, uh, let me now transition real quick before the end of our show here uh, to this. Uh, let me make some, uh, uh, some real quick comments about fake news and this whole Paxton um, uh, lawsuit. As you know, my friends, 
uh, Paxton, uh, the Attorney General Ken Paxton uh, of Texas, he um, he filed a a, a a lawsuit with the Supreme Court directly with the Supreme Court. He did not go to a local a local court. No, no, no. He went straight to the Supreme Court uh, because it is a constitutional issue between states. This is not about an individual. This is this is between states, so states have the right to go directly to the Supreme Court and have a trial by the Supreme Court. Okay, so he went to this directly to the Supreme Court, and he uh, has asked for uh, a, a ruling regarding how four states changed their uh, process for accepting ballots. Okay, he filed a complaint because these four states apparently according to Mr. Paxton did not follow did not follow their own constitutions and so therefore if they're not following their constitutions by definition he feels that uh, they are not um, following the rules which is true so the issue then becomes my friends is how the supreme court is going to look at this and how the supreme court is going to act with four states that didn't follow their own rules, okay? Because if these states have, if the other states have to do it this way, then they should be able to follow, they should be following the rules as well. Very, very, and it's going to be very interesting, my friends. It's going to be eye-opening. So um, let's, uh, I, I, let me keep you abreast of this. We're going to have a, a, a specialist talk about this uh, on our next show. Uh, I hope that you'll join us once again, my friends. Let me thank you for joining us today. I'm hope I hope you're having a happy and healthy, uh, safe uh, holiday season so far. You take care, my friends. George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you on KLUP 930 AM radio. The answer.